Hello, everyone. My name is Suki Thompson. Welcome to Reset, the podcast, a place for you to get some inspiration and advice to help you live a more fulfilling work life. I do hope that your journey to feel more connected, more inspired, just a bit more energized starts here. Take a moment now with me to reset. When we started Let's Reset in the HKX offices, I met my guests this week. They are one of the best office concierges I have ever met. An empowering individual who brings a bright ray of light onto everyone they interact with. Their work to champion the LGBTQ community has led them to be an IPA I-list and British LGBT award winner with Havas Pride. Ari is non-binary and talks to me about how they learned to become comfortable in their own identity while growing up without similar role models to turn to in the Philippines. As a trigger warning, in this podcast, we cover some really sensitive issues, including talking about suicide. Ari bravely discusses why to date she has chosen not to seek counselling and the coping mechanisms they use when struggling with their darkest thoughts. Ari is disarmingly honest and helps me navigate some of the more difficult aspects of talking about non-binary people. They tell me, when you assume you make an ass out of me and of you. Our society today is notorious for assuming things about each other. So what I've learned from this conversation is it is only by taking the time to get to know each other and what people really think and the experiences that they go through that we can really appreciate the differences that make someone so unique and special. And it is okay to ask questions, but just be considerate and kind. I really hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like and follow us. It really makes a difference. And if you are impacted by any of the conversation, please see the resources at the end of the podcast. Thank you. Ari, it's so lovely to see you today. How are you? I'm so good. I mean, it's despite the weather, it's like very damp outside, which is like not the most amazing weather to have. Like I prefer it to be indoors, not having to go to work and just like in comfy clothes and just wrapped around my duvet type situation weather. But alas, you know, bills got to get paid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we see each other a lot because you, uh, you are one of the concierge people at at Havas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really wanted to talk to you partly because when I first came to Havas and we started Let's Reset here at your at your offices, um, you were the first person to one, say hello to me and secondly, to know my name. And then I looked around and I recognised that actually, you know, the name of virtually everyone who walks into the building. <laughs> And all the clients. And I think it's one of the, you've got a really magnetic personality. And I always think that that role is a really, really hard one. Um, But you make it feel so effortless. I I 
feel like um, it's somehow just, I just fell into sort of remembering people's names. Um, I think I remember when you first started in the office, I was told that, um, oh, we have a new, we have a new organization that's going to be in, in the office and they're going to be based in this office. And we got sent an email and I feel I feel it's kind of like my job to make it a point that like I, I know who the people that are walking into the office, especially if they're like kind of like head of the company type thing, because I want to be able to make sure that like we give the greatest impression yeah. at all times to like anyone that walks through the building. And I, I think that just kind of me and my personality sort of wrapping into that role and kind of essentially becoming one in in you know as uh, one with the role as I would say in 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 just making sure that like anyone who walks through I want to make sure that like they feel a good vibe and that they feel very welcome and that you know and it's the vibe that we want to resonate from like from you know towards anyone because then that way when they when they leave HKX they're going to feel like that was a really great office that was a really great vibe in that office you know yeah. it's like I want it to be very memorable well you certainly make it you certainly <laughs> make it and then I think the other thing that um I have noticed and you are a very striking individual um <laughs> And, and I have gradually gathered over time and now you're very, you're becoming much more outspoken about the non-binary community. Um, you know, very much at the forefront of LGBTQ+, which is a very important part of an inclusive culture at the agency group and obviously part of Let's Reset as well. Um, but I think particularly, it feels to me like um, you've become very, active and talking, which is brilliant. And I wanted to just discuss a little bit about that because I think one of the things that, particularly non-binary, I think is one of the things that clients talk to me about a lot. Mm -hmm. When they say, we want really inclusive environments, but we don't really know what to say. We don't really know enough non-binary people. So we don't even know what we're doing that's right or wrong. Um, but also, you know, we don't really understand it and we're frightened of saying the wrong thing so I wonder whether today we could explore a little bit of that and you can help me and therefore help some of our audiences perhaps who feel a little bit like I have done in the past um I don't know you know what the right thing to say is uh, absolutely like I think how it all started was I think I've always had kind of a vision of and like this ideal that everyone should live as authentically as much as possible and that everyone is beautiful in their own right no matter shape size or kind of like you know gender or or race you are and the world kind of you know deserves to see that you know, that beauty of yours. And you shouldn't think that just because you aren't necessarily like, you know, an image that you would see on a magazine that you're not beautiful, because beauty comes in a very objective way, or ra not objective, or rather like subjective way, that it applies 
it affects it applies and affects people differently. Um, how I became a lot more active in speaking up about just the community in general was me joining Havas Pride, which is basically like the employee network group that we have here in 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 Havas. And from there, um, I kind of just made sure that like I was a visible representation of that community, even though I'm such a small part of it. And then the leadership team decided to um, include my name to the people that they would nominate for the IPA I list, which is like for anyone outside of advertising and marketing, it's basically, um, it's a really kind of like big deal, prestigious list where a lot of the times it's majority like CEOs, company directors, like founders, owners that are kind of like trying to affect change or are already affecting change that gets put on it because of like the steps and like the 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 little things that they're doing for, for these changes to kind of take effect. And somehow that sort of um, nomination became a short list. And then the short list became kind of sort of the reality of me being included in like Right. As one of the top 30 people in the whole country in advertising and marketing that sort of champions diversity. And it's more so just a case of me kind of like doing charity stuff and just, you know, being kind of generally just kind of like that visual representation of a community that I feel is underrepresented in any type of kind of industry yeah. and when I got told I was I was I was shortlisted I cried <laughs> I'm not surprised and then because in all honesty when I was told that like normally a lot of people that get on it are like directors and you know like company CEOs and all that stuff just like at the time I was just the concierge at reception and uh, I was like you know they're not going to put a receptionist concierge on this list it's like you know like so I was like okay I'm happy with that and then we went through the whole interview process and then I think it was a it was around about this time on a Friday afternoon I literally get an email congratulating me saying that I've made it to the 30 and I I I bawled like full-on like ugly cried and from then it just sort of like it lit a fire inside me to kind of like keep doing what I'm doing and that no matter how small of an addition it is in terms of affecting change it's still something yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. Um, Ari, can we, let's talk a little bit about you and when, when did you first know, and when you were young, I don't know how old you are actually, was being non-binary a thing? No, actually, um, 
I I didn't know non-binary was a thing then. And like to many people um, now, they always ask me like, what is non-binary? And it's the best way for me to explain it is that I am male and female at the same time, but neither. So what were you born, Ari? So I was born a male and then figured out that I was gay. And what age were you when you felt that? I want to say I was very young. Like I, I already felt that I was different from a very young age. I think maybe I want to say like three or four. Wow. And what were, your, I, what were your parents like? What was your family? Do you have brothers and sisters? What were your family like? I have one brother. Um, uh, my mom and dad weren't necessarily like the most supportive um, in that respect or rather accepting. Um, so I turned to extended family a lot. Um, so I, I, I practically grew up um, on, with my aunties uh, from my mom's side um, who just basically allowed me to be like who I am really. Um, I think because that was the type of support that I'd already had from a very young age, it was never a question and I never had to come out oh, really? um, as kind of like, you know, as gay in, in that, in that sense. And then when I, when I moved here, uh, that was when I was 16. Um, when I moved here, I sort of like started reading sort of articles about how there's gender fluidity and pe- pe- there's, there are people that are non-conforming in gender and they are known as like, you know, they're, they're a part of the LGBTQ community that is known as like, non-binary that's when I was just like maybe that's what I am Mm -hmm. maybe that's what I am because at first I just thought like I'm just a really really camp flamboyant like gay Asian boy that's what I was that's really like the whole thing I was just like this thing where I, I was just this sort of like person that like came out of my mom in like glitter rainbows and like sequin and rhinestone kind of situation um and and then obviously discovering non-binary and then sort of you know sort of figuring out my personal identity as I kind of you know matured is when I kind of was like I think I am non-binary because even though I'm very flamboyant, I don't necessarily feel that I have to conform to being male 
or that I'd have to conform to being female. Though I have had thoughts of like, maybe I am trans because purely for selfish reasons of like, maybe if I was a woman, I, it would be much easier for me to find love type situation. Oh, um, so just, so let, let's, uh, I, I'm fascinated <laughs> with that because I think, you know, um, and thank you for being so open because it's, you know, it, it's, um, it must have been quite hard for you because it's not, you probably didn't see that many people around you, did you, who no. were similar to you? And I think, you know, my son's had a partner for three years who um, uh, is non-binary. Mm-hmm. And they are a wonderful person. Um, and they were born as a girl, but absolutely identifies like you um, for, for them as a, as a girl and a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think hard because it's not many other people like that. And, and therefore, and you do get some of the stigma of it. How yeah. did you cope with that? carrying on being strong enough to go do you know what this is me and I am going to carry on um continuing to be me and come to work in in the same way whenever I get asked that question I get really emotional because um it makes me think of my grandma sorry um my late grandma um she basically told me that um excuse me as long as, uh, as long as I hold my head up high um, and present myself in a very respectable manner, it doesn't matter how I dress or what I am because that's not what defines me. Yeah. Um, and that's something that always plays in my head. Yeah. Because... I, I grew up in the Philippines. Uh, up until I was 16, I lived in the Philippines. It's a predominantly Catholic country, and there weren't any non-binary people then. It was literally just men, women, gay, lesbian. And the representation then was that men were the leading men, women were the leading women, the gays and the lesbians were the comedic factor in the storyline and that was it yeah yeah it wasn't it was it it was it was in a gray line whether it was like accepted and frowned upon at the same time in, in 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 that in that time and moving here opened my eyes a lot more like it's not it it you know it in understanding that it's a broader spectrum. And I always think back to what my grandma always tells me that like, no matter who you are, it doesn't, it, 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 that doesn't matter. And that shouldn't be considered and that shouldn't be something that you kind of overthink because who you are is just a part of who you are. It's not your main definition. What you do in the world is so much more than who you are as an individual. And yeah, and what an amazing woman. What was your grandmother called? Juliana. Juliana, what an amazing lady. And so right. But I guess 
there must be moments when you've thought, that's really hard to do that. When I was called cruel names, I can accept cruel names from other people, but when it's the two people you thought would be more understanding and you thought would protect you from those words, say those cruel words, it messes with your head, really. Yeah, and, and who were those people? My Yeah. Did you, how did you, God, I mean, it's so hard, isn't it? You know, I think about my mom and dad and, you know, one of the things they've been like you, like your grandmother said, you know, be who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. And, and that is very, very hard. But you feel like an amazingly resilient person. I think it's more... How did, how did you get to that place? I Sometimes I feel like I just kind of put it down as like me being a Gemini. like there's there's my introvert side and then there's my extrovert side and then there's my resilient side and then my uberly depressed side and I think it's mostly just a case of me making sure that it's the latter not the negative um even though like completely being open and transparent is like, I've had suicidal thoughts, like, you know, like any, any queer person has um, who's, been, who's gone through such a negative experience would. But I've always, I've always held back and never actually gone through it. And then other times I kind of just then mask it with like a comedic thought of, oh, no, you can't do that. Not in that outfit. <laughs> like, and then that somehow just like snaps me back into like reality type thing. Because then I'll think of scenarios of like, Jesus, the paramedics will see me in this. What will they think? You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then it makes me think of like the people that I potentially would leave behind if ever I do go ahead with it. Like, I feel that there are lots of people that care about me and they would be very, very sad if I ever were to do that. And that's why I've never done it. And I never thought about it. And it's an experience that I feel like I don't share to many, but I feel that like I can share with you. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's also something that somehow helps, empowers me because I don't want to get to a stage where that is the only thing that I can do to try and get out of it. Yes, yes. And actually, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to somebody whose brother took his own life. And she talks about, of course, the impact that that's had on her and her family and everyone around. But I guess, you know, and just even admitting it 
you know, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible for me to yeah. hear you have those thoughts. And that actually you think a lot of people who, as you say, are queer or have um, uh, are non-binary have those thoughts because it's so difficult to live in society where it's unacceptable. To, to push you to that, even those momentary thoughts mm-hmm. is terrible, isn't it? Yeah. I don't even think it's just specific to the queer community. I feel like it's, it's a, it's an intersectional thing uh, in in a way that society made this kind of concept and everyone has to follow this concept and if you don't fit in this concept essentially to the to to the people on the inside you are an outcast and when people are made to feel this way i think it's that's when their inner demons kind of get fed more. And it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's unfortunate that some people don't have the resilience in fighting these inner demons and then they just give in. But then it's also really outstanding to other people who just fight really hard every day to make sure that, you know, they keep to what they're doing and that no matter what happens, they just live as authentically as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and have you felt or have you had, clearly you've had a few people around you you can talk to about this. Have you, have you ever had counselling? Have you ever needed external help to get you through this? Because some people, you know, I talk to, we talk about it a lot at Let's Reset. We work a lot with psychologists find that a, you know a different perspective and framework helps them I just wonder have you done all this on your own yes wow I I'm scared to talk to someone professional about it because I feel like they'd brand me as someone who's meant like clinically insane and then like institutionalized me or something because I feel like that could something that that's a scenario that actually is legit in my head <laughs> where like I would walk in on a uh what do you call this like a a psychiatrist session yeah and then I would literally pour my guts out and then as I leave the room there'll be like people in an ambulance uh, and a straight jacket and then that would be the end of it that's literally full on a scenario that's played in my head over and over whenever people mention like shrink or like talk to someone. Okay. Even those like anonymous how like those anonymous hotline things. Like the first thought that like came into my head when I when I when I was told about those, I was like, no, if because if I dial those, they have like some sort of GPS tracking on my cell phone or something, and they're going to track down and like pinpoint where I am. And then next thing you know, I leave the house, and then again, it's straight jacket and padded room. But 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 what bit of you are they going to do that for? What because you're non-binary, or because you think very differently from other people, or because what what is it? What are those what are those thoughts? mostly just because of the fact that I am very different to everyone and that's like me saying that in a very sort of encompassing thing uh with my gender my personal expression 
how I think, how I speak, how I act. Because I feel like, and this is someone from like, this is a close friend that's like told me this. Like if they didn't know me and, and they met me for the very first time, they would probably think I am fabulously crazy. <laughs> Which they won't be wrong because I admit to it. Like I, like you know, I have I have tendencies. But then again, like I feel like I was like I said to you earlier. Like I I feel like I can always kind of tend to just kind of put it down as me being a Gemini because when you're a Gemini, there's always two different spectrums and there's always two different sides. One sort of one thing and then the other the complete opposite mm. and it can range from like you know the highest level to the lowest level type situation yeah. but it, but it's interesting isn't it because uh, I, I hear lots of people who don't want to have I'm not even saying you need to go and see a, a <laughs> counsellor but but I think it's interesting because the framework that that might help you just redefine some of these things because you know what what I see on the other side is you look you've you've been at Havas for four years over yeah yeah so you have a job which is a very important job and you've done much more as you said than being a concierge so you've come into a business you've made a difference and you're doing more now than you did before you have an amazing ability to make people feel welcome and wanted and valued you look amazing. I mean, you are stunning. And you no, know, today, for those of you that can't see you, uh, you have an amazing kind of silver hat on, but you have extraordinary hair. You have an amazing body that, you know, I'm always super jealous of. And you, <laughs> and you look great. So, you know, I think from, from my perspective, I, and I don't know you very well, but I have a very different lens and optic on that. Mm. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen um, from people that maybe can reframe the way that, you know, you talk about being crazy and I know we're kind of just laughing about it, but, you know, we're all crazy, aren't we? Yeah, but, 100%. And, and, you know, a lot of those crazy bits you embrace and you love and on most days, you're probably super positive about it. But there will be days, and as you said, where people aren't very nice to you or things are difficult because life is difficult. Yeah. But you just have those extra things that make it more difficult. And I you know, I think it's, it, I, you know, I hadn't expected to talk quite openly about counselling here today, but I think it is one of those things that I come up against a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I... I, I took counselling for the first time a number of years ago. And, and for me, now that we employ psychologists and counsellors to work uh, alongside us in some of our training programmes, I see the massive difference that it can make. And, you know, people never worry about taking a business coach. Yeah. Ever. They don't go, oh, well, we used to. We used to go, I better not have a business coach because that shows I can't really do my job. <laughs> You know, so, you know, uh, but thank you for raising that, because I think that's that is another thing that people do um, do worry about. Do worry. Mm -hmm. And also, I think I worry. I think the thing that worries me the most is like. People's perception. Towards people that does counseling or that goes to a shrink. Yeah. You know, I feel like 
we society has made it out that has kind of like made this kind of like point of view and like sort of perception towards people that do seek these kinds of help that you know they're very different from everyone and it it comes in a very negative light you know and obviously when it comes to people like myself not only am i a person of color i'm also outside of the binary that society has kind of instilled in everyone i'm part of a largely marginalized community and if you add has shrink appointments every wednesday at 4 to that entire list it kind of just makes it a bit more intense to other people which i feel like i'm already way too much as it is <laughs> so if you add that to further perception of other people and like their point of like their their own sort of like view of of me i feel like it would just be too much i feel like i'd have no friends well or maybe um, not maybe not um, maybe not. Well, that's, a bit, that, that's a that's that's a push okay that's a push maybe like people maybe people would find me a l way more intimidating yeah maybe you know look uh you know one of the psychologists we work with works in the nhs as a as a psychological well-being practitioner and and they run a 12-week program to help people, you know, build some frameworks. So, you know, even if it's just around thinking differently about yourself and, and giving you some um, ideas and some techniques to think differently, um, you know, that's some, for some people that's helpful. Look, I'm not trying to make you do counselling here at no, all. No, of course. But, I, but I, think it's, I think it's very interesting that you have that perspective. I think yeah. it's, you know, actually as wrong as it is that we have um, um, narrow-minded views about the LGBT plus community and people of non-binary. You know, uh, that is absolutely not what counselling should be about. And it shouldn't no. be about, you know, uh, there shouldn't be any stigma to it at all. Really shouldn't be any stigma to it at all because it can make such a big difference. And also you don't have to do it forever. You can do it for yeah. certain times in your life, you know? Um, and I think agree. frameworks for, you know, intelligent people, um, you know, and of course, look, there are some people at different times in their lives that need more than counselling and they need real psychological help and support. But That's very true. At the moment... Others, no. Exactly. At the moment, I feel like what helps me is that trick that you taught me that you get a rubber band and you flick yeah. it on your wrist, that helps me a lot. And the the like the the four finger tap thing that I, I, I told you that I started doing, which is like that I'm strong, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm enough. And even if I don't say the words, but I do the finger tap, it's sort of like automatically my brain immediately thinks that that's what I'm thinking and it gets me out of it mm -hmm. and I feel like the day I get to a point where they don't work anymore that's probably when I will consider like mm -hmm. asking professional help but right now that helps and also like if I call one of my besties and I cry on the phone to them or oh, actually 
the other thing that good that that helps is like I mean it's not the most like I wouldn't recommend you doing it because one it leaves you puffy puffy eyes and two it dehydrated me a couple times it's like just cry yes I agree when do you cry in the shower okay Uh, (laughs) I've done that plenty of times or sometimes when like there's there there's there's a few times where I've cried myself to sleep um but for the most part it's literally always in the shower well that's so interesting I save up my crying for a Friday night and I watch a sad film eat some chocolate uh, maybe have a glass of wine and I just go do you know what this is the moment I need to do this and uh and then it like you say it's then done it's then done yeah but then I'm also very emotional so when I do watch movies and like, it's like a very kind of like somber moment. And it's one of those like moments that's like in, intense with feelings. Like I literally will just find myself tearing up. Like I tear, I tear up with like just watching TikTok videos sometimes. So I'm like, it's, you know, it's one of those things where like a good cry definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I mean, you've been terrible, very open and honest about yourself. What can we do to create better environments? You know, and, and you know, Havas is, I think, doing quite a lot of some good things. Um, but, you know, there's probably a long way to go still. But what kind of things can companies do to create that open culture where, um and not everyone, but particularly people from non-binary, because perhaps we understand you the least in some ways, um, can can flourish. I think the first is don't be afraid to ask questions. Because we live in a society where people assume a lot. And I remember I was told that like there's this there's this saying like when you assume it makes an ass of you and me kind of thing and it's it's that type of situation that a lot of places like that would and that could be companies or that could be you know your own home or just anywhere in general that you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions because 99% of the time, if you ask the question and you approach it with respect, you'll get the answer that you need. Yeah. Um, yeah. Second is obviously having, having that level of respect because at the end of the day, though we may belong in different gender spectrums, we share one ultimate thing in common, and that's being a human being. And as human beings, we owe it to each other to have respect towards each other. And that goes hand in hand with kindness. And from kindness then sparks acceptance. And it's these little things that we as human beings innately have within us already programmed. 
Yeah. It's just a matter of us making sure that we bring it out of our own, of, from other people. Um, and I think a lot of the times, especially in workspace spaces, like I mentioned about like, you know, asking the questions, be, be proactive mm -hmm. in how people identify themselves, like in finding out how people identify themselves. Like I can going back to like, don't just automatically assume. Yes. Like we, you know, we live in a society now where people take pronouns very seriously. I mean, I personally don't. I like, I'm, this is going to sound very controversial, but I think like that, like pronouns to me is just, eh. It's just extra words on a piece of paper. And I can I could care less if you refer to me as he or she, they, them, or anything, just not it, because I will, you know, that will be the, the, the draw. But it doesn't it doesn't bother me. It's like I always say to people, like whenever I, whenever they ask me that question, it's just like whatever rolls off your tongue first. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't and will never bother me because you could call me he, even if I'm in full glam and I will literally look at you and be like, yes, how can I help? You know, right. it, it's, right. it's one of those but you, things. But, you know, you say ask questions um, and I, I think that's really interesting. And, I, and I'm fascinated by the fact that you don't worry particularly about your pronoun, because I think that's one of the things that that people worry about a lot mm. and and the whole non-binary they is something mm. that a lot of people really struggle with and I, I you know I can understand that um but in terms of questions that you get asked either directly to your face I mean you know the one about are you a boy or a girl must yeah. happen to you a lot and do people oh, yeah, no, do people overtly ask you that question and and does that make you feel better or worse Neither. Okay. Neither. I know that sounds really weird for me to say neither, but the reason why I say neither is because I feel like you're asking a question that is essentially stating an obvious thing. One is that you're curious to know. And two, you clearly are looking at me and wondering, you know, so it's one of those things. It's like whenever I remember before I grew out my hair, I I had boy cuts. I would walk around the streets of London and then I would hear people go, is that a boy or a girl? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then when I hear that, when I hear those questions, I'm like, even though they haven't really said, come here, like we want to ask you, like, it's just that sense of curiosity that yes. makes it like, oh, okay. But then when you, because then I find that when people have that sense of curiosity, they're more open mm -hmm. to getting to the acceptance part of who people are and yes. how people are in general in terms of what gender they identify as. Mm -hmm. um, I think that people asking me what my pronouns are is 
very, very respectful. And while other people would be offended by if you ask them that question, because some people have this mindset of you should already know. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I think that's one of the problems, isn't it? Because I think the way, I mean, the way you react is lovely and really helpful and really open. And, um, you know, my, my son has long hair. Yeah, it's kind of the, my length, actually even a bit longer. And so often when we're together in a restaurant, the the waiter or waitress will come up and say, hello, ladies, what do you both want? And then he turns around because he's very slight and, the, and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> And he's always lovely about it. He says, don't worry. And he wears very bright clothes like you. And he's like, it absolutely doesn't matter. I'm always, everyone always thinks that I'm going to be a girl and I'm a boy. Um, and he always responds with it beautifully. Yeah. But I think the problem is, is that not everyone does. And I get it. It must be unbelievably frustrating if you, one, you get people actually not being very nice to you, but also you get these questions all the time. Nobody comes up to me and says, are you a girl or a boy? Um, there's lots of things I just don't get because, yeah. you know, it just doesn't happen. Um and I, so I can understand why sometimes you just want to go for goodness sake. But actually, one of the things I love about you is that you never make people feel bad. Um, and I need to. There's, there, to me personally, there's absolutely no need to. The reason why I think that there isn't any need to, for you to make people bad is they internally already feel it if they get it wrong. For you to highlight something negative when they already feel it is basically feeding into that negativity, which kind of goes back to me kind of saying that, like, at, you know, when when we are born, we are already pre-programmed with kindness and respect. And it's entirely up to you as a person and an individual to make sure that you bring that out of yourself and out of other people every single time. And I feel, I feel, I feel, I, I feel like everyone should have that same point of view when it comes to things like that, because it doesn't help anyone. Sure, sure, uh, okay, sure, it makes you feel better for telling them that, you know, or correcting them for a millisecond, but that's literally that moment. Yeah. I feel like it's so, pointless and it just has so much effort to continuously keep doing that in every interaction that you do when you could be spending your energy doing other things yeah yeah absolutely and then is there anything else that businesses can do to encourage people to be able to be open you know we talked a little bit earlier about pride month um, and that seems to be more of a thing in business now. And I think that, and often, you know, a bit like we did it um, in, in the Havas building, really highlight some people and tell their stories. That seems to work really well. Because again, and I, the other thing I really loved about um, Pride Month this this, this one, uh, this year as well, is that giving the definition of some of those words, you know, in little ads around the building. Yeah. So you go, oh, that's what that means. Because there's so many words you go, oh, literally and never even heard of some of them 
Um, that's very that true. was very helpful because if I've got the vocabulary, I feel more confident to be able to say things that either I'm not going to be embarrassed about or I, I think I'm not going to offend somebody with. But that I think companies should really have an invest effort into forming employee resource groups because it's these types of spaces that help create safe spaces for queer people, especially in the workplace. When they see that there is a group of people that is like them, they won't feel like they're alone or you know it they they're they're being looked at differently and by having the this like you know by having an employee resource group that is dedicated to a specific community be it um you know be it the lgbtq community or be it related to race or women or men or 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 religion or kind of disability in any shape or 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 whichever one that they could think of to to have is beneficial in a way not only for the people that work within your company but also how you put out in within your own industry and how people perceive your company from the outside knowing that these are these are something that is available to the people that work within a company, you know, like for ones like with Havas, us having uh, Havas pride is sort of that hope that, you know, include the conversation of inclusivity is moving forward, not just within, you know, within the employees, but also how we scope out client work. With, with Have Us Pride sort of being asked to be consultants on certain projects or not essentially consultants, but just basically like, you know, being asked to our opinion on what we think for a certain scope of, 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 of work and how it would be perceived by people from the outside, especially by, by you know, by, by our community is, is a great deal of help to make people feel inclusive and part of a wider community within your own company. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, we're seeing increasingly as an industry, uh, you know, consumers, of course, also identify as non-binary, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we want, we, we are, I think, getting better at showing in our advertising and communication a much more diverse cross-section of what the population looks like. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, you're part of a big, massive communications company. So yeah. have a group like that, being able to influence that makes an awful lot of sense, doesn't it? As well as exactly. to the environment that the company's in as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last piece that I would say that would generally help companies is don't just say you support the LGBTQ community or like, you know, the women or, or, you know, or, or like the black community, don't just say you're doing it, actually do affirmative action, like support charities, have an actual committee that is directly kind of 
involved within that specific community. So when you do your communication, it doesn't come across as whitewashed, as I would say, or just kind of like gender washed in that respect, where there's no care to it, because you're simply just addressing everyone as society, like as as what society kind of like built it in in that respect. And you you want to make sure that with you doing these affirmative actions, you stick to it. You don't just do it once. You know, you keep at it. Like, because saying only looks good on paper. Yes. Yeah. But when yeah. you do things, it stays. It sticks to people's minds. Yes. So that's one thing that people should also make sure that they kind of like, you know, put effort in, into doing. And I'm very lucky that Have Authority does that. Yes. And, and look, you know, I, I was talking to a chief exec this week about, you know, why they've been able to attract some diverse talent. We were talking about it in, in real kind of really broad gender and, and everything this week, but they haven't been able to keep it. And I, and I think it comes exactly to this point, which is you've actually got to, to do action if you continue to have just one type of people running a company. And the only the only faces you see in an organization are predominantly male or they're predominantly straight white uh, males and females. It's very difficult to say, do you know what? We want to change. We want yeah. to uh, embrace this. We want inclusivity and diversity and it's an important part of our culture. Exactly. Because having, putting that as, as one of the things that you put importance to is not just for your own benefit and not just for a single person's benefit. It's for every single person that's within your company, be it present or future, especially future, in fact, because that's, 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 that's kind of like, that's the legacy that, you know, a company will leave as they further progress and whether they become successful or not. Because if you have these types, I'm not saying that this could be the make it or break it thing, but like, then at least if you have these things kind of there, whether your company becomes really successful or it doesn't, at least the one thing that people will remember is that you challenged inclusivity and you applied it and you made sure that that was one of the forefronts of you having your business around. Because yeah. yeah. that creates impact on people. Because then people could do, you know, say your business didn't thrive. Then people, people who start their own business would be like, well, it didn't matter. Maybe what we'll do is we'll do this differently, but we'll stick to the diversity part because that was really successful. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, and then just finally, because we're nearly at the end of our time, um, I can't leave without just talking a little bit about, you know, your the clothing that you wear, the kind of flamboyance <laughs> that you have. You know, we talk about a lot in the seven needs. You know, we've covered here relationships. We've covered mental well-being having a sort of sense of purpose, which you're really showing you're doing about talking out. But um, having a creative outlet, 
you kind of demonstrate that on a daily basis because you so often just look. You just, I look at you and I smile. <laughs> and I wonder what, you know, you said sometimes that's it's just you. But I wonder what what joy does it give you? Is is that why you dress the way you do? Fashion is fashion is something that I feel I think I've just always been really in love with. Because I remember uh, I remember from a very young age, I would literally take blankets and towels and put clothes, clothes pins on like, you know, the clothes wire thing that you put on the, the, the clothing pins and just pin them together into a dress or like a gown or like make them as kind of like pretend, make pretend that it was a wig. And from a very young age, one of the ga- one of like the, the 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 things that I loved to play with my cousins were pre- was pretend, and we always used to play pretend as if we were at a fashion show, or that we were attending a ball, and we were princesses, or that we were just these kind of like rich people in movies that just dress impeccably and these were all kind of things that I just always sort of gravitated towards to and I think from a very young age I think when I started drawing even I used to always draw like figures of like women and like sort of make outfits out of it and like I used to remember I I used to would draw I would draw a circle a heart and then a triangle and the circle will be the head the heart would be kind of like the bust and the waist and then the triangle would be the skirt and then I would make different patterns out of the heart and the the triangle and then from there like it grew to me kind of improving on my drawings and then me wanting to go to fashion school but we just couldn't afford it. So I couldn't go. And that led to me kind of starting my own blog and writing about fashion and what I see on magazines. And then it evolved to me actually going to Fashion Week, which was literally like a a dream came true. And then social media happened, Instagram happened. And then that's when I sort of evolved into becoming this sort of, I want to say fashion person on Instagram. So I was getting dressed for the pleasure, for my own pleasure and sharing that to the world through pictures. I've always said this to everyone is that fashion is the one thing that I can do blindfolded with my eyes closed in the dark. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And 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 like, I don't know where it came from. I think it was just from like, you know, from, from maybe like 
family member like seeing family member dresses back in like you know back back in the 80s and in the 70s but I've just always had this sort of innate sense of love towards clothes accessories shoes handbags and everything yeah it sounds very materialistic but like it's one of those things where I just I just feel like it makes me happy and then whenever I put an outfit together it 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 boosts my confidence and I can and then, see that, and it makes us happy too, Aaron. You know, and like I take inspiration from different places and like different scenarios in movies. Like I remember, um, there was one day I was wearing a slip dress. It was a silk slip dress, and I had kitten heels on, and my hair was tied back in a low kind of ponytail with a scarf around it type thing and I remember walking past Granger and Co in in Pancras Square and there were people having breakfast on the outside of the restaurant and I literally had a full-on Milena moment when that moment where she decided to cut all of her hair and then dye it red and she was in this all black kind of outfit and then she just sat in the square and put out a cigarette and then everybody just went and lit her cigarette like that I literally as I walked past these people I literally could see them from the corner of my eye turning their head and I'm like this is the kind of reaction that I want people to have and I want them to also have this when they wear something like this yeah 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 it's lovely it's lovely and, and actually do you know what that's a great perspective isn't it that it's about you but it's also about the influence that you can have on people that you don't know at all and just yeah it can make a massive difference exactly because yeah. yeah. it's like it's like it's, it's like the way I see it is like if I can wear it and I'm a man you should be able to regardless of your shape yes yes Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, Ari, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. Thank you for being so open. I think we've covered so many things. But, you know, I think what I've taken from this is asking questions is the most important thing, not just assuming that Mm -hmm. either we know something or that you know something or that you'll be offended if we if we don't ask those questions treating people with respect. And we talk a lot about creating cultures of kindness But actually, it's so true, isn't it? We can't create inclusion, diversity, if we don't create the right culture to begin with. And then a culture where people are are happy to talk out, but also we really properly embrace those people who do and give them a platform for a conversation to tell their story and to actionably make change happen. Uh, and you're doing all of those things. So thank you very much, Ari, for sharing that with us today. Thank you for having me so much. It is such an honor to be on this platform with you, Masuki Thompson, literally. You give me life. Oh, well, that's very kind. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for 
for listening. If you've enjoyed Reset the Podcast, I'd love it if you would forward it to your work colleagues, friends and family. Reset the Podcast is a Let's Reset and Advertising Week global production. Executive producer is Richard Larson, with me, Suki Thompson. Thanks to our sponsor, Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits and voiceover artist, Talitha Penny. Music provided by Audio Network. <laughs>